Hi, I'm Michael Wiafe. And I'm Demetria Wack. Welcome to PolicyWise, a podcast from Youth Leadership Institute in collaboration with California Forward and their Young Leaders Advisory Council, where we challenge assumptions, discuss, and question policy to find out, is this policy wise? Each episode, we invite current and rising policy leaders to discuss current events, social issues, and political topics in order to promote youth voice and establish a model of intergenerational policy discussions. Dr. Weinberg, is that correct? Oh my God, Micah, please. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Micah's like, Micah. Yeah. You don't want to make the mistake. It's fine. I make my dad call me Dr. Weinberg. That's so funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> that is such goals. That's a legend. <laughs> okay, okay, we ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. For the past eight years, private, public, and civic leaders from across California's diverse regions have come together to discuss regional approaches to economic problems that Californians face. As we approach the ninth annual summit in December, equity, environment, and the economy have remained at the top of the state's agenda, along with a special focus on structural racism, the economic impacts of the pandemic, and the climate change crisis. Also this year, special attention will be given to California's youth. After the overwhelmingly positive response to the youth panel in 2019, California Economic Summit California Forward created a Youth Leaders Advisory Council. The council consists of 20 young Californians from diverse backgrounds across the state who aim to increase activation in policy discussions among younger generations. They will be discussing this year's California Economic Summit, the California Youth Advisory Council, the ways in which youth voices have impacted the state's economic concerns, and speculate how increased youth involvement in the summit will impact California's future priorities. With us today, we have Jade Magonia and Micah Weinberg. Dr. Weinberg is the Chief Executive Officer for CA Forward. This cross-sector civic leadership group is committed to producing prosperity for all Californians in all of the state regions and to improving government performance and accountability. Prior to joining California Forward, Dr. Weinberg was president of the Bay Area Council Economic Institute and was a senior research fellow at New America. His writing has appeared in diverse outlets from the New York Times to Policy Studies Journal, and he has appeared on Fox News and NPR. Dr. Weinberg also holds a doctoral degree in political science from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and graduated with honors from Princeton University with a degree in politics. He also currently serves on several boards, including the Board of the American Cancer Society and the advisory boards of the Insure the Uninsured Project, Hamilton Families, Rise Together Bay Area, and Covered California for Small Business. Micah, is there anything you'd like to add to your introduction? And can you tell us the purpose of the Economic Summit and maybe some specificity on 2020? One of the things that becomes a little difficult is we want to only say positive things about California, especially if anybody outside of the state is listening. So if anybody outside of the state is listening, we've got it totally handled. We're completely awesome. (laughs) But among us, we've got some work to do. We've got the highest rate of real poverty. We have very bad broadband access in so many parts of the state. Obviously, we have some fires that people have been noticing and talking about. And our existing political processes aren't aren't getting the job done. Uh, And so we believe at the California Economic Summit that one of the things that will really help is bringing people together outside of the legislature, outside of the sort of regular regulatory processes to to set the agenda together. So across parties, across regions, across interests, and really give us a roadmap to be able to address some of the state's most pressing challenges. Jade Magania is a student at UC Riverside graduating with honors with her bachelor's in political science and international affairs in the spring, and she will attend law school upon graduation and pursue a career in civil rights and education law. 
Currently, she's interning for the United States Department of Justice Disability Rights Section. Jade developed her passion for education and housing policy through her internship at California Forward. As a Leverage Fellow, she aided CA Forward in the development of the California Dream Index as engaging in working groups in preparation for the summit. Prior to that, Jade spent time as a legal intern for the Inland County's Legal Services, where she assisted attorneys in providing clients with public benefits. She is the proud daughter of immigrant parents from Mexico and dreams that her work will provide lasting opportunities and protection to individuals who have been mistreated. And uh, Jade, would you like to add anything else to your introduction? And can you tell us why Youth Voice is particularly important to economic policy discussions this year? I don't have anything to add to my introduction. You did a great job. But I will say there are many reasons why Youth Voice is particularly important in economic policy discussions. Uh, since the pandemic, we have seen that youth have been like disproportionately hard hit by the coronavirus economically, we are more likely to work in the sectors that are the most impacted, like food, retail, uh, transportation. Because of that, we should be involved in economic policy. We are also coming out of college or entering a job market that is declining. Um, and that also affects youth at, at its core. When we talk about growing college debt. I'm sure we all have our fair share of debt, but it's the amount is just um, unprecedented that youth are having to take on. And these are all examples of uh, economic policy that, that affect youth. I also don't want to get too much into home ownership, but a lot of youths are renting and that is an economic issue. I remember when I was in college, now I'm back home, but while I was in college, I shared an apartment with six girls and it was a very, very humble apartment and we were all paying way too much for rent. So I just think that these are all um, issues that have youth at, at its core and you know, youth renters are more likely to lose their job. We don't have that job security or our jobs are all entry level. So um, the, these are these all highlight reasons why um, youth voice is important in economic policy. Thanks, Jade. And you you brought you highlighted a, a couple of issues that I think are really important for us to touch on. I'm sure that we will. Um, diving into the episode, I I also lived with seven guys in a house in San Diego um, back when I was at San Diego State. It was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot, and we were all paying quite a bit for rent. Um, but definitely, the majority um, of expenses went to housing. Um, mm -hmm. And for college students specifically, that's, that's that's kind of something we need to take a look into. So we're we're extremely happy to have you both with us for this conversation. Um, thank you for joining us. We're we're excited for the upcoming economic summit that will have not only an incredible lineup of speakers, but also topics that are extremely relevant to the recovery of California from this pandemic, um, and also the kind of the injection of youth voice into the discussion um, and the creation of policy. So, Micah kind of going off the heels of last year, what was the response uh, at the summit after the youth conversation last year? And why has this encouraged California to start a youth council? So it was the most popular thing that we did by far at the entire summit. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to imagine that like people, you know, want to dive ridiculously deep into, you know, cradle to career education policy mm -hmm. with a bunch of other policy wonks. And they kind of do, right? There are a lot of people that are engaged, but but they also need to be reminded, why are we doing this, mm -hmm. right? We could be doing anything, right? 
But we get together because of the stories of the people that have made California their home, uh, the stories of the young people, like the ones that we had on stage, that bring all of their passion, all of their hope, all of their challenges, all of their frustrations uh, to the fore. And so we had a really great conversation there, but elevating youth voice is good. And I'm glad that people do that, but that's not enough for us at California Forward. We really, through the youth uh, leaders or young, young leaders, right, we want to make sure that they are really changing our agenda, shaping our agenda, because they are the Californians, not only of the future, but of today. As Jade said, they're the people who need homes to buy. They're the people who need job security. They're the people who need economic security. And so we cannot have a credible conversation about economic policy or the other issues that we address. We can't have, I think, really in, in a lot of ways, even like it wouldn't even be ethical to exclude like young folks from these conversations. So, uh, you know, we're having them involved in all of our policy conversations. Um, and uh, that's something that we are going to keep ramping out up in coming years. Great. Thank you so much. And can I ask, both, uh, both you, Micah, how last year's Economic Summit and Youth Engagement has influenced this year's uh, agenda? One of the big things that we're doing at the Economic Summit this year is uh, tackling race equity and, and structural racism really head on. And that has happened because of a number of different things, although interestingly enough, happened uh, before all of the protests for racial justice this year. Um, so uh, we were inspired by those, but those weren't the catalytic effect. The catalytic effect was a lot of what we were hearing from our young leaders, a lot of what we were hearing from our network. So we've mentioned um, uh, racial and economic equity and home ownership is a new working group for us this year. Uh, mm -hmm. So is access to capital for small businesses owned by people of color. Um, because there are so many ways in which we've set up these structures, whether it was redlining, whether it was keeping people out of neighborhoods, you know, sort of you name it, that had this terrible impact on people in the moment, but also this sort of like resounding impact across the generations on wealth creation and on social capital creation and so many other things. Uh, and so that's one of the big ways in which the, uh, the young leaders have already influenced our agenda. And then Jay, do you want to add anything about what the Youth Advisory Council is doing right now to also influence that agenda this year? Yeah, something that, that you mentioned earlier I wanted to touch upon, which was that all these protests that we're seeing kind of were not like only the the main agent to this change. Um, and I remember like, I'm sure many youth can relate to like this being the first time that at least we've seen so much um, division. And, you know, whenever I talk to people about it and, and their feelings, they're always like, oh, but like, youth are our future or like these kids are going to like make everything um, better. And it, that also gives me hope that because I feel the same way when I look at my peers that like we're all going to collectively like even though there's so many um, different issues that generations either inherit or just have, I think like we're all going to be able to have like that place um, and do our part to just make it a little better. And working together is definitely um, essential in that process. So moving into the Young Leaders Advisory Council um, and how that captures youth voice, 
The leaders in the advisory council are all from different backgrounds. We're all Californian. And so like, that's awesome. We're from California, but we're from different regions, Mm -hmm. which I think is like goes hand in hand with Cal Forward's message. But all of the young leaders are not only um, different backgrounds and different parts of California, but we're all different ages too. There are some that are just graduated from high school and there are some that are graduating grad school. And I think when people think of a young leader, they might see like a specific age, like maybe someone in their 20s or, you know, edging their 30s. Um, but we have young leaders that are are just entering college too, that have um, a say in these things. And so um, the Young Leaders Advisory Council is able to capture that diversity within our own group as well. But, you know, the rest of us, uh, we can't just be singing Whitney Houston songs, right? We can't just be like, I believe the children are our future. We right. need to actually get involved in partnering and not just be like, sorry, screwed it up on y'all now, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm excited about is really the intergenerational like mm-hmm. cooperation uh, on these issues. Uh, yeah. And that's something that also gives me uh, gives me a lot of hope because it's still the case that I go into a lot of rooms and I'm one of the youngest people in those rooms, you know, and I'm not super young. We don't need to go into exactly how young, but <laughs> yeah. I do not qualify for my own young leader advisory council. Let's say I'm not edging the 30s from the other direction. either. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so that intergenerational cooperation is is a really big part of what we hope to accomplish here. Well, thank you both. I, I just wanted to add that being being kind of a young person who's in some of these conversations where you're engaging with policy professionals, it can be um, sometimes really intimidating. And so creating a space both for young people to engage with each other on policy topics that are affecting us in a very unique fashion, um, I, I found to be not only comforting, but very educational, as Jade mentioned, you know, a lot of us are from different ages. Um, and as as much as I'll sit here and be like, yeah, I'm a young person, a young voice. When I hear somebody in high school, you right. know, talking about right. talking about a bunch of issues and advocating in their own way, in a way that is different than mine, I'm like, okay, we even, even though we're, we're closer in age, even even the way that we view the world is a little bit different. So Micah, if you could tell us a little bit more about the summit, what's the format? Um, and how exactly will youth be engaged? Yeah, so a little bit different this year because it's online, like everything. Uh, <laughs> generally, we're doing this in person. Uh, but basically, the you know we'll, we're going to have another awesome youth panel and really make sure that we're elevating folks' voices. I think we're having a spoken word artist to open it up. This is going to be the first, uh, again, the first thing that we do on the second day where the governor is speaking and, and all that. Y'all are doing uh, uh, your own special session, I believe, is uh, one of the uh, Mm -hmm. breakout sessions. But that is happening at a different time than the working groups. And so, again, these working groups are like, what are we going to do about fires? What are we going to do about home ownership? What are we going to do about broadband? And so the, the young leaders are invited not only to sort of be there for those conversations. And these are conversations that happen over the course of the year. Jade was just on the call we did on home ownership uh, earlier today, but to participate to the extent that they're, you know, comfortable in doing so. And then I think that there's also an important like allyship thing here where not everybody is going to go into one of these conversations with like heads of nonprofits and business leaders and so on and necessarily be like ready or interested in, in speaking up kind of in those contexts. If they are, great. 
But one of the things we also try to do, you know, as folks like myself who are a little bit more seasoned in these conversations is like, talk to me about what your concerns are so that I can bring them to conversations if you don't feel comfortable, you know, participating in them or tee you up in a, you know, in a, in a good way. And mm -hmm. so that's something that's really important for us. And infomercial, we want you, the listener of this podcast, uh, to come to the California Economic Summit. Um, go to our website, uh, cafwd.org, uh, sign up for the summit and uh, request a scholarship. And make sure, you know, when you're reaching out to us about the scholarship to mention policy wise, the podcast that you're now currently listening to. Well, thank you, Micah, for that little pl plug. We definitely yeah, that appreciate that. Um, everybody, please sign up for the, the Economic Summit coming coming to us very soon. Um, check it out. Perfect. Um, and sign up for some scholarships, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take a hold of those. And, of course, listen to this podcast. Right. Yeah, because, you know, uh, finances shouldn't be uh, a barrier to participation. Uh, we want everybody there. Uh, we want folks from really work hard to get folks from a variety of different backgrounds that it, there are rooms that aren't just apparently diverse, right? Mm -hmm. um, but genuinely diverse in terms of lived experience, in terms of where people are from, in terms of the, the lives, uh, because we can't, again, it's not even like, I mean, it's the right thing to do, I think, you know, morally, mm -hmm. but it's also like, how can you engineer just technocratically? Cause I'm a little bit of a technocrat. Like how <laughs> could you engineer a good policy solution without mm -hmm. understanding what the parameters are, right? Without understanding the lives of the people that you're trying to help. And you can't assume that if you don't know, kind of shouldn't be talking about it, right? So you need to bring those voices in, even just from a technocratic standpoint, so you can make sure that you have the right solutions. Yeah, nothing about us without us, right? Exactly. Love it. So Jade, um, I was wondering, what are some of the ways in which the council is preparing for the summit this year? So the council's preparing in many ways. I know Micah mentioned that we do have like a few events of our own which is amazing. So we have an associated event that the entire council is working on. And then we also have a main stage event where we're going to have a couple speakers um, being Michael and uh -huh. I um, and Hi. Ellie. So Surprise. we're going to be. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> so we do have that main stage event that we're very much looking forward to and we're preparing. We have like meetings, we're working to see like what what we want our audience to walk away with and how we can express our message uh, in a way that's impactful to everyone at the summit. That's the main stage event. The associated event is really awesome. It's uh, more comprehensive. So Micah mentioned that they're, they have these working groups that are talking about, you know, amazing, amazing things like strengthening minority uh, owned businesses and community investment. And so what's, amazing about this advisory council is that we're able to sit on these discussions and Micah mm -hmm. just mentioned I got off a discussion on um, home ownership and I obviously like I was a little lost but it was it's cool because the, the Cal Ford team like I'll message um, David or Patrick and I'm like what did they say like what is this <laughs> law that they're talking about and everyone there is is there to help and so I think it's definitely like a two-way street like we're able to teach them things that 
maybe they're not talking about or how we feel about certain topics and then they're able to teach us like this is these are the laws or like this is um what we're voting on so um that's been really uh, awesome and so each young leader is able to uh, sit in on these different conversations mine is housing there's one on broadband and cradle to career so these are all different topics that youth are able to work in and um we're actually at our associated event, we are going to present our own policy advice and implications and how we see that and give our own advice. So these are all amazing ways in which we're going to be participating in the summit and everyone should be there. I'm going to be speaking. You can hear my voice again. Michael's going to be speaking. <laughs> Ellie, it's going to be amazing. So and you can see live and in person. We're doing like we just met with, we got like professional producers and, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's going to be, it won't be your, you know, sort of regular Zoom event. There's going to be like rooms for networking and like all kinds of different bells and whistles uh, on the platform. Getting, so you're talking, Jade, about getting the, you know, young folks involved in these conversations, but young or old, it's hard <laughs> to get engaged in California public policy. Because oh, it's yeah. all True. like the rabbit hole like goes so deep in housing yeah. and anything that it's like, I only have, I mean, well, I guess a lot of people are listening to this. So, you know, I should realize this is on record, but honestly, millions, millions, <laughs> millions of people are listening yeah. right now and they're getting told that like, even I'm like, I guess I kind of understand a lot of this, but like mm -hmm. every policy area, we were talking about home ownership, right? Rena, Rena, who's this? Why is she so important? I didn't well, know. Well, not a person. It's the regional housing needs assessment, you know, law. And there's just like, it just, it's, it's so thick with acronyms, but then those acronyms mm -hmm. are programs that yeah. are generally like not at all coordinated and like overlapping <laughs> and like insanely complicated. And so it can be, it can be pretty frustrating, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, but we, yeah. we try do as much as we can to demystify that for our young leaders, but also for the broader audience that's engaging with our work. I will say um, I interned for California Ford over the summer and I would, as an intern, this is not even, this is before I joined the council, but I was so lost. And I remember having one-on-one -on -one calls with like amazing people, just the smart individuals. And we would talk for one hour and I would just have more questions and be more lost and it's just understanding that everything is so interconnected which there's a lot and so I really appreciate that the youth voice is being um, taken seriously and that we're able to be a part of the decision like not just we made a decision this is how it's going to affect you it's like we're able to say hey can we do something different and everyone's so nice about it you know like <laughs> they understand <laughs> they were all there so no, I, I really have to, I really have to commend like as a youth and then as a Californian in general, just um, like how accessible that the platform is as well as like just how accessible I feel like California forward has been in like the general dialogue that we can have in the sense that I don't feel like I have to, you know, sound super smart or do a certain act a certain way when I'm on this advisory council and that like, I think it's done a really, really fine job of making people's voice feel valid. Um, and like, I think that's the, the goal of like this podcast or like other platforms. And I hope that's what people who attend the summit walk away with is that, oh yeah, my voice is valid. My opinion does matter. And I'm able to learn a lot 
and reinforce those beliefs or change them. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for your work. Yeah. And I, I think what I've noticed exactly, as you mentioned, Micah, that California has like some of the most complex, like policy intricacies ever. Um, and I, I spent my summer as an intern and now work part-time at the Public Policy Institute of California. And these, these are fantastic researchers, um, experts in their fields. And in even still knowing that there's so much to learn because things change, right? So we could be talking about one super complicated policy that went through like a major overhaul four years ago and then now you have to relearn it and start all over um and and to that same vein something that i think we've been doing on this podcast and really realizing through conversations just like this is that you can easily come into contact with somebody in a completely different generation as you that is completely passionate about the same issue and same topic that you're passionate about as a young person you're approaching it from different generations and possibly different angles but you realize that you have that shared passion um in in tackling the the issue together and as it pertains to you know policy intricacies um one person's gonna know all the you know 20 years ago this is this is how it was and it went through this reform and went through that reform but the young person is going to know kind of how it impacts them today and i think once you once you kind of see the impact that it's having on people um but also the details and what's creating that impact i think is where um you're kind of able to to really utilize the youth voice um so i i guess the next question that i want to ask is uh the, the economic summit is really kind of around this roadmap to a shared prosperity uh michael would you like to tell us what that kind of means and what does that entail um and maybe jade if, if you might want to uh pick out some of those elements of the roadmap that might be specifically geared towards youth or maybe ways in which youth might be able to be affected mm-hmm. yeah i want to talk a little bit about regions in this context right mm-hmm. because you know california is a is it's it's kind of it's like any other state it's an arbitrary set of like lines drawn on a map mm-hmm. and there are there's a lot of stuff in those lines that has something to do with each other right but like you know la and everything that la is and like northern california and everything that that it is these are different places and the valley and the valley (laughs) and the bay area and san diego and the inland empire i mean we'll shout them all out right (laughs) we've we've always put on the economic summit with a group called the california stewardship network Mm -hmm. um and these are regional leaders Um, that run organizations like the Central Valley Community Foundation, organizations like the Bay Area Council and the Silicon Valley Leadership Group here in uh, in the Bay Area that are committed again to this like idea of social equity, environmental stewardship, and economic growth. So one of the things that we've been doing recently is what we call our Equitable Economies Project. And so there we bring people together uh, you know, from authentic community organizations to business CEOs, you know, heads of government agencies and so on, to have a fundamentally different conversation about how do we build a different economy to get a different set of outcomes uh, in the regions that we live. And a real inspiration for uh, all of us is the Fresno Drive effort um, being led, among other people, by uh, Ashley Swearingen, who's the incoming uh, co-chair of California Forward. Um, We've been doing efforts this year in the Salinas Valley, uh, Northern San Joaquin Valley. We've been working with the folks uh, in the Inland Empire and elsewhere to say like, look, a lot of these, not only is there too much poverty in our state, but so many of these economies are structurally racialized, right? And that just means 
you know, you've got one sector of the economy that happens to be one ethnicity and the other sector of economy that doesn't. And like, this is not a coincidence, folks. This isn't just some like random thing that (laughs) happened, right? It's structures that created the outcomes that we have. How do we dismantle them? And how do we build something different? And, and, And we're really focused a lot on the, how do we build something different? And that means being informed by people's lived experience on the ground, elevating these authentic community organizations as equals uh, in the conversation, but then also making sure that it's informed by how do these business sectors actually work? What is a good economic strategy here? Like, how can we grow the economic pie? Because we're fundamentally about growing the economic pie in a way that shares that prosperity much more broadly than what we've seen in the past. Wow. I feel like I just had a whole lesson and that was incredible. Like I'm over here <laughs> basically taking notes like, oh my goodness, this is all I'm good like, stuff. I'm like, preach, Micah. It's not a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> you tell them. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> so much in that. I, I will say um, I kind of see see the drive um, to like this this new youth Young Leaders Advisory Council that was created um, and we're able to inform certain working groups and policies that you're working on but how like even just outside of this like in working on other projects to ensure an equitable economy that cal forward is working with like organizations that are you know the same thing like boots on the ground who's being affected have them be a part of the conversation so that's really nice to hear that it's not just like oh we're gonna have you know youth it's like everyone that is involved um gets to speak I also like how you highlighted um, just how most of these things are racialized. And I think at least amongst youth, I've seen a a huge call that like that is something that's number one on on our agenda of like what affects us and, and what makes us feel passionate and what we want to incite change is that it's cool that we share the same passion uh, on that topic. Yeah. But I mean, and then it gets like, complicated but then you have to help people you know bring their lived experience to these things it's like it gets down to things like maybe we should have more industries that operate in tradable sectors if we want to grow you know our economy versus having you know primarily a service oriented like regional economy right right? but how do you do that right and so that's a necessary complement i think to the people on the streets calling for the racial justice, right? It's it's too much stuff. Like if I brought my, well, I've, I've, I've done some of these protests, but if I, like my sign, right, at the protest about like what we should do about this, yeah. there'd be too much text on it, you know? Like, <laughs> Micah um, would have a scroll of yeah, everything just, we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I, yeah, I could just get, yeah, like one of those road signs, it'll blink out different things. So, so with that, yeah. with that, like um and like the economic summit and, and the things that like we should do what are some of like the past concrete changes that have come out of past economic summits um and then also what do you expect to be like the goal like we have like some goals in mind what are some concrete things that we're looking for coming out of this year's or is that yet to be shaped one of the things that uh, was a big outcome of our work in the past is something called the Strong Workforce Program. And what that is, is it basically says that, especially at uh, community colleges, but also basically at all institutions of higher learning, we need to make sure that we are preparing the uh, 
the young folks that are entering these institutions for high paying jobs of the future and connect them with the employers. And so it ended up being a whole like quarter billion dollar program that's been implemented over a course of a bunch of different years. But that's an example, right? And it's an example that's tied very much to shared prosperity. Like, how do you get somebody a job with a career pathway, with upward mm-hmm. mobility, with, a, you know, in uh, one of the industries of the future? And that's been a big thing that we did. And that involved legislation and budget allocations and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So that's an example. You know, this year we're really focused on a number of different uh, areas, but one of them, I, you know, I just let, let's talk a little bit about wildfires, right? Um, because mm-hmm. those have so many different impacts, um, including uh, the quality of the air people breathe. So there's a big, and then the the quality of the air that people breathe is also not random in terms yeah. of who the biggest <laughs> impact falls on, right? So there's an environmental justice aspect to, um, to this issue, right? And so mm-hmm. we're building on our call to action from last year. And we've been really excited, you know, when you call people to action and then they actually do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, And so, uh, you know, we're seeing uh, more investments in forest management, but we need to see a lot more of, uh, you know, the uh, investing in uh, in really steward being stewards of our forests in the way actually that the indigenous people were for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. There's been this idea that environmentalism is never touching a forest or going into it. Uh, And so, you know, one of the leaders uh, of our work is Bill Tripp from the Carrick tribe. And a big thing that he's talking about is prescribed burns and, you know, actually the necessity of really managing these forests. And we've got a little bit of, we've dug ourselves into a pretty crazy hole through doing fire suppression for a hundred years. And then of course, climate change doesn't help. Side note, it drives me crazy. We're having this conversation right now of like, is it climate change or is it forest management when that's an argument of two true things? Yeah. It is yes. both of those things. Why are we arguing? Right. right. You know, like, you know, there are more dead trees because of climate change. The fires are more intense because of climate change, but they're also crazy intense because of the amount of uh, forests that we haven't managed. So the, you know, we're really building on that call to action, being again influenced by a broad range of stakeholders from uh, indigenous folks to uh, leaders of, uh, of industry to, you know, people working at the Glenda Humiston, who uh, works at uh, the University of, uh, of California. And there's a lot of great stuff we can do. And then I'll wrap it up. I mean, like, you know, that I, I get I get on like a I, I care about this. Yeah, go Just for it. Soapbox. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> We're here for it. The the, goal, the 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 like holy grail here is that we manage these forests in a way that creates good jobs for the people in the rural areas that mm-hmm. desperately need that economic opportunity, right? And then we pull the next generation wood products, right? And we turn those into housing that we need in our uh, urban areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of places, uh, Portland has done a much better job with this. We have a lot that we could be doing here, but we can actually build like relatively tall buildings that are more um, resilient to earthquakes. And interestingly enough, actually with these next generation wood products, more resilient to fire than the current buildings that we're building. So like, there's a way, like so many, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit more hope today. I won't get political, 
uh, on this podcast, right? Like, no, that's you know, great. I, a lot of times it is frustrating to think about the world. And so we, need, we do need to think about, are there instances in which we can create these virtuous cycles where, you know, things can actually work together? And so that, I don't know, we're going to keep doing that until we drop dead. That's great. No, that's great. Just a, just a little side note. Um, I'm I'm in England for our audience, and I told my I told my friends they're like, oh why don't, why aren't you like why doesn't California just have a bunch of brick? You know, like what are you guys doing? <laughs> I, was like, I was like earthquakes, and they're like, oh oh yeah, and I was like yeah, I don't know what to do either. But that's great that they're coming up with something. <laughs> I just wanted to say that literally what you're describing, Micah, is the work that is being done to advance the future of California. I don't know how else to phrase it other than this is the the future, you know, kind of things that we need to be involved in, not only so that we understand it, mm-hmm. um, understand what's going on, understand the processes that are that are kind of occurring in order to, to create policies that are gonna provide a better future, but so that we're kind of able to seamlessly carry the baton um, because I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh, wow, great. We have Micah to handle these, uh, right? But then- <laughs> I just say some stuff. <laughs> but, but, you know, some of us are going to have to carry that mantle. So uh, I'm glad that you're, you're involving young people in your work. Um, and, and, think, and, yeah. yeah, I think the way that, that um, they're going about it is just, I mean, we're going about it. Like everyone's involved in it and, and we're being able, as Michael said, like pass the baton on um, and, and pass those practices, those inclusive practices and those equitable goals on um, because we need one another, you know, at the end of the day, we, we all need each other. Yeah. And, and something that you brought up um, earlier, Jade, is, is how kind of the, the experience they had in internship and, and I think on Young Leaders Advisory Council, you start to see how interconnected everything is, right? How intricate um, all these different kind of topics are. However, I think something that, that I've noticed is that even though they're so interconnected, um, some policy folks don't want to act that way <laughs> um, and, and kind of stay within their own policy silo and not talk to each other about these. So I'm, I'm really curious, um, both Jade and Micah, how have you experienced this, Jade? Is this something you've seen too, where you're really wondering why the person from housing isn't talking to the person to help, like talking about healthcare and and understanding why they're coming up with, um, I guess, seamless policies between two, two different areas? Definitely. I think um, a lot of the times they're like, you know, there's a common question that is like, what is your policy interest? And I feel like no matter what you say, they all kind of just, just go into one another and it's like you can't talk about you know housing without talking about education or or healthcare and just like how all those impact one another and um definitely it's it's strange to to hear a policy conversation that doesn't include like other topics like are you going to talk about you know the trees that you're going to cut down or uh, things like that so um Definitely something that I picked up on and, and I saw when I first uh, entered into this policy world. It's been interesting to see more people understand this. Like the healthcare industry has gone really big into economic development mm-hmm. because it turns out economic and social capital is health, sort of full right. stop. Um, and so Kaiser Permanente and Blue Shield of California and the California Endowment and people that have primarily been thinking about health have started thinking and acting and engaging a ton on economic development. But I, I want to kind of, I don't know, let's see just a, one more beat on 
uh, the whole multi-partisanship thing, right? Because mm -hmm. it, you know, the, there's one, um, uh, you know, view of our country that we're hopelessly divided and like all hate each other, right? And actually, it's amazing to me, we talk about a lot of topics. It's amazing, and we have, there are more Republicans in California in terms of raw numbers than there are in almost any other state, right? And there are whole areas of the state, you know, really important, really huge areas um, that, you know, where our energy and food and other, you know, essential things are produced right. that are controlled by Republicans. So it's very much like, you know, you need to be bipartisan, you need to be multipartisan. It yeah. is amazing to me how infrequently that actually even comes up because we're having like these really hardcore, like serious in the weeds policy conversations. Much more often it comes up like, here's my sector interest or here's like my industrial interest mm. or here's like, but like, it's, it's actually shocking to me how infrequently the, you know, we've got a, a, a leadership group and, you know, I, I, I happen to know what people's parties are because, you know, you know, that sort of thing is the CEO, <laughs> but like, it's, it's shocking to me how infrequently that comes up given the picture that's being painted of our country as being hopelessly divided. And the truth is that like, you mentioned social media, Michael, and there's so much that's mm -hmm. wonderful about social media, but social media nut picks, right? Which is right. like, it's like, here's the craziest person associated <laughs> with this whole big group, right? That, like the guy who came like with the beer barbecue like shirt and started mm -hmm. yelling behind the, like that is not representative of the broader set of people in the Republican party, right? Exactly. You know, not that there aren't important ideological differences that need to be like worked out through our process, right? But mm -hmm. it, is, it is surprising to me, you know, how much like Republicans from Fresno and Democrats from the Bay Area, it takes a really long time for these like ideological, you know, commitments to even come up in a lot of these conversations. That's a very good point. I think, you know, very few times actually does party preference actually come up in conversation mm -hmm. in, in these policy, you know, topics. It, it's, it's kind of a little bit more nuanced than that. Um, but I think media definitely and, and social media, you kind of only see and interact with what you want to see and interact with. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's kind of outside of your bubble, then you'll, you'll either just scroll past it it'll never show up or yeah. you know something along even if those it's lines. unintentional even if it's unintentional you yeah, might end up it, never seeing anything that you yeah. don't want to see yeah exactly and and so i think that that's like i think there's a whole nother conversation that we might need to have and i know we're, we're running <laughs> out of time here um but really about back. yeah oh you know you can Anytime. come back <laughs> yeah um, um i guess i guess we should probably follow up with the kind of like a call to action and and what you both might recommend to our listeners as far as um you know how we kind of talked about how they can get involved in the summit they can sign up they can get scholarships that's great is there a way that you think that youth should be engaged in another way or another outlet um or any recommendation that you have for for youth right now and how they can be more involved in policy discussions wow um i feel <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking i think my my number one thing for like youth being involved is uh, understanding that they do bring something to the table. And I think um, a lot of the times we might feel like, oh, you know, I don't understand something or I've never been here before. But um, just knowing that like you as a youth and your experiences and like your cell phone and your social media and the school that you go to, um, the books that you're taught out of, like everything that 
um, that you go through is just as important and like should be shared with um, other people that are, are making these decisions for you inherently. Um, so I think I want youth to be able to understand that and, and believe in themselves and just be like, okay, like I do have a place here. I know like when I was first getting involved um, into these discussions, the way I felt, I could only explain it as like sitting at the big kids table. And like, that is not how like you should feel or like how it should be. Um, you definitely have a, a place to be. And I feel like I've been able to find that uh, recently with, you know, my peers, um, this council, like it's, it's really awesome. And I want everyone to be able to get that out of the summit, like as a youth, for people who aren't young, uh, young leaders, maybe they're young at heart, right? But like people who aren't <laughs> physically young, right? I would want them to um, understand that this, these intergenerational conversations are normal and they should be taking place. And, you know, what's not normal is excluding young voices and that it's, um, I also think that we should understand that the world is changing so fast and, you know, everything you know, the world that someone grew up in is very different from how it is today. It's not just like, oh, you have a high school diploma and like you get a job with a pension and like, <laughs> you know, you can buy a house and have funds for a whole family. Like it's it's very different and it, they might not understand that and, and that's fine. One day we might not understand um, the future. And so you need to like look to people who are experts in that field because we are. And that's what I would want people to get out of the summit. Thanks, Jade. I preached enough. I think Jade said everything that needs to be said there. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you both so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Um, it's really great to hear from both of you and also just really encouraging to, to hear the intergenerational conversation and just like a really positive people and makes me feel really comfortable with the future so thank you both i think that was fantastic um we we hit so many different important parts of this conversation um i just want to thank you both again for joining us for this and um to the listeners stay tuned register for the for the summit if for, for whatever reason you're confused or you need a link um feel free to engage with policy wise on social media um send us a dm um, and also you can send us an email at policywise at yli.org this was a podcast recording of PolicyWise. We are your hosts, Michael and Demi. PolicyWise is a production of Youth Leadership Institute in partnership with California Ford and their Young Leaders Advisory Council. Jared Amonos produced this episode and the music was created by Ian Post and sourced from artistlist.io. If you want to find more great youth content, check out YLI.org and be sure to subscribe to PolicyWise on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps. To discuss this episode, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Facebook at PolicyWisePod and hashtag your discussion with hashtag PolicyWise. See you next time for more youth voice and policy discussion on PolicyWise.